which starts with the relegation six-pointer between Watford and Norwich. And this is the fucking game that sends Norwich to the shadow realm, I think. Uh, Watford 2, Norwich 1. And what relegates them, right? How is this How is this the end of season on a level of banter? Where <laughs> really, the, the, the story of your season, if you're a Norwich fan, is that you forgot how to go, right? Because you steamrolled through the championship with Dimu Pukki and friends. You had like Onel Hernandez scoring goals, Vranches scoring goals, Buenadilla doing bits, Todd Cantwell with his floppy hair, like being the fucking, like the, 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 the twink in the team, fucking like running through team, whatever it is. They're their fullbacks. Everyone's attacking. You couldn't get past Tim Krul because he's so huge. Uh, so you, you've made, you've murdered the championship, right? Get to the Premier League. It's all going well. You know, Pookie's still, you know, doing bits. He's still scoring goals with his big shiny head. And then all of a sudden he just, gone, just, Dries up. No people mind. But it wasn't as if like, oh, they got like a huge spate of injuries and uh like, you know, they've got like fifty in players in the treatment room. It's like fucking sex Tetris trying to get in there now. Uh it wasn't this. Literally they were literally just good one week and shit the next. Yeah. Like somebody it's like somebody had flicked the switch from on to off. We're like That's exactly what it was. Because the story the story no, of their season. It. Yeah, that's why, they, that's why they can't fix it. That's why they can't really rectify it. It's like nobody can explain, even outside observers, even people who hate the team, mm. or any, and even other people who love the team and watch them obsessively. Nobody can determine why on earth they're playing so badly because they literally just went from playing good, not playing like they weren't playing fucking mad dog killer fucking football. But they weren't playing this badly. Yeah, to they, playing whoa, holy shit, like almost impressively badly. What I describe is they play very positive football, but at the same time, like I think <laughs> naive is the right word to use because like they don't clear the ball out of their own box. They try and recycle it. They try and be smart with it. It's like, lad, just get it fucking out there. There is somebody going to hit at your goal. Yeah, exactly. Do like, it. There, there's something to be said for just putting your laces through it. Yeah, precisely. But like I said, out of, a, out of a team that like has basically put all their eggs into one striker's basket and hoping it works, and it doesn't, the goal that's probably going to relegate them is an overhead kick from Danny Welbeck. It's just, there's actually something really wonderful about that, and I just can't put it into words. It's, it was so my overhead now. It was great. It, it was, was fucking really great. fucking good. That's his first goal since 2018. That's mad. But I'm actually glad for him. I'm genuinely glad for him. I, I am. I am so fucking delighted for him. I really, I, I didn't really hate on Welbeck too much when he was playing for us. Um, mm. I, 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 I can't ever since the, his uh, winning goal against Leicester. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just gonna um, blame Emery on that. To be fair. Um, the, that, his, winning goal, say, his winning goal against uh, Leicester. When he faded it in off his high top in the ninety third minute, <laughs> and I just that, that's what gave us the hope that we could actually win it that season. And Leicester went on to fucking win the thing. Mm. But uh, I, I just can't, I can't ever hate the guy for that feeling that he gave me that day, which was really, really good one. Um, mm. But fuck me, like overhead, not even just an overhead, but he top binned it. Yeah, like, top binned too. Like, yeah, he fucking top binned it with an overhead. I was like, you audacious, glorious bastard. That mm. guy. That, uh, that guy, that guy, that guy. Yeah. But everybody, only, even all the commentators and all the match of the day gimps and well, and everybody was just resolute and like, I am so fucking happy for him to do that. I am so fucking delighted for him. Yeah, just it's all great. really happy for him. But um, um Norwich, yeah. I mean, Norwich, Norwich went ahead in the fourth minute in this game. I actually, mm. I, I, re, I knew they scored really early. I just didn't realize it was 
that fucking early. Yeah, and uh, they didn't really press on. Like, Watford just went, oh, oh, oh you picked the wrong house, fool. <laughs> yeah, well, when Craig Dawson's scoring against you, you know, you've got fucking issues. Hey, man, two goals in three games, man. It's serious business, like. It's doing bits, man. Um, so, uh, another game with some fucking cracking goals, and it was Palace uh, versus Chelsea, and the 3-2 to the away team. Um, what do we want to talk about first? The Pulisic goal, the William goal, or the Zaha goal? Well, they were all fucking great. The Zaha goal is easily the best, and that's not oh, just because I, know, I fucking yeah. hate Chelsea. But, um, <laughs> 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 uh, the, no, they were just all great. I mean, when you consider that like, Palace had gotten to this point without having scored a goal, really, mm. they hadn't scored in the last two games. They've been yeah. absolutely fucked in both of them. I know they only lost 1-0 against Burnley, but it was a bad 1-0 loss. Um, they actually fucking, I think Chelsea may have been forgiven for having a slight bit of hubris going into mm, this match. Going Possibly, yeah. These guys aren't going to show up. Like, I saw that, guy, that guy over there had to take his flip-flops off to put his boots on. How <laughs> <laughs> like, <laughs> dare you talk to Ray Lewington like that? <laughs> <laughs> you know, half of them don't have socks. They've got beach towels. <laughs> uh, so they could have been forgiven that for being surprised by the amount of fight that Palace put up. Yeah, I think for Palace, it's, it's not really, it's not really a case. It's too little, too late because they're safe no matter what. No, yeah. Nothing's going to happen for them, you know. All they have to do, they're really just fighting for pride, and it's precious little that. With yeah, um, fairness, but yeah, like they really of all the teams just put it up, and it gives kind of a minor London derby mm. kind of thing. Yeah, exactly. And they put it, they put it up against Chelsea. I really have to admit, they, they, they gave a good account of themselves, which yeah. in the last two games can absolutely not be said. No, it can't. Uh, I like it, a really good game to, to watch as well. Like a really just fun Oh yeah, game. if you were the neutral, you were fucking loving this. Yeah, exactly. Um, again, perhaps you, if you were a neutral, you were enjoying this next game, but I say for certain, Neil, you weren't. It was a one-all <laughs> draw between Arsenal and Leicester. Well, I very much kind of-ish enjoyed the first half. Yes. Then um, it all went poorly. Yeah, it was just. And I was just one of those games where you just don't take chances, and you don't mm. take so many of them, and you just go, "This is gonna bite us in the arse." And like this, hold. this, this is gonna like, or you can't be this profligate for this long. Mm. In all fairness, we should have gone into the fucking halftime four 0 up. Um. It was just a fucking unbelievable. Um, but, like, I have to admit, one of the best first halves I've ever seen us play. Mm. Fucking okay. all over them. Absolutely sliced them up. It was... I was quietly optimistic going into it. They didn't have um, a number of their players. Uh, they went three at the back as well. Mm-hmm. Um, which meant that there was almost nobody in the midfield. I mean, it was really, like, that centre midfield pitch was fucking echoey, an empty echoey space. Yes. There was nobody there. Almost all of the play was on the flanks. And in terms of wide players, we fucking have them well outgunned. So we dominated on the flanks. Uh, And so so we're just slinging in balls left, right and centre. Aubameyang scored great fucking fantastic ball. Mm. And um, Jesus Christ, like... It was a game where we should have put them to bed by half time, and we didn't, and it put us in the ass. Yep, indeed. 
Um, the kicks and goal, or if we, if we miss out on, points. yeah, and if we miss out on European football, it'll be by one or two points, and it'll yes. be by these one or two points. Yeah, that's definitely. Like, Especially like, against, like, it, it's against the teams you're you're playing against too, because it was the Wolves game that takes three points off them. With Leicester, it's like it, kind of the opposite is true for them, where they that's two points lost in their aspect with Chelsea. But they're, yeah. now they're also fighting Man United, which they weren't really expecting. Let's be fair, like so now there's like yeah, Man United come out of nowhere with that fucking charge. I think everybody was expecting Manchester United by this point to fall away, and I think if the pandemic hadn't hit, they probably would have. Maybe, maybe it's hard to tell. Like it's hard to tell. Hard to tell, but yeah. they, they were certainly trending that way. But yeah, yeah, I, I go with that. I think. I think like, again, the reset just helped them because now the team is settled, uh, in the same way I suppose your team is settled as well. Um, the your red cards. Was it a slam dunk for you, considering what happened to Mustafi? No, they both should have been red cards. Okay, that's no. <sighs> Do you feel hard done by with the Mustafi situation? <laughs> I feel fucking cheated with the Mustafi uh, situation. You mm. know, I'm gonna if you're like if a player's walking off, if if you're a referee, right, and a player's walking off the pitch with holes in the side of his fucking head, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and nothing's been done about it, you kind of have to go. You know, I've missed the trick here. <laughs> yeah, you'd like you to know, think so at least. Yeah, you'd very much like. Inkedi is a, it's a very much a red card. Um, we're appealing it, I think. We're appealing it for like a, a match reduction in the ban. Yeah, yeah. Uh, rather than it wasn't a red card, it was definitely a red card. But yes. it, it was kind of, it, it was similar to the Abamyang red card in the Palace game where he took Max Mayer's ankle out. And it's basically, it's not malicious, even in the slightest. He's, he's gone for the ball and he's just like that millisecond too late mm-hmm. and it's landed awkwardly. And it's the same with Eddie. The reason why his foot was up high wasn't to get the guy on the knee. The reason why his foot was up that high was because the ball was there. Mm. And it's just the guy has moved. It's also, it looks really bad. I don't know who he tackled. I don't know who he tackled. Uh, James Justin. Yeah, because he's torn. When you look at the replay, he's actually torn into the tackle, so it looks an awful lot worse. Don't get me wrong, I'm not kind of trying to sauce over anything. It's definitely a red card and he should have walked through. But uh, to get an immediate three-match ban, I think the three-match ban will be a bit harsh. Um, yeah. I think, yeah, I think I, that's I think it. It's just, he's gone for the ball, he's missed it, and because of where the ball is and where he had to put his foot to compete for the ball, it, it's, he's, he's gone in at knee height. Mm-hmm. You know? Like, yeah. lots of players play with, the foot, the, with their feet at knee height, and, you know, they don't, nothing gets said about it because they get the ball. Like, had he got the ball, n- nobody would have even said anything about his position, the fact mm. he went and stood up, uh, or any of the bollocks. You know? yeah. Nobody would have said anything about it had he got the ball, but he missed and so he walked. You know, it's, That's the way it goes. Um, it's unfortunate and it really did fuck a lot of the matchup for us. Yeah, exactly. You know? um, and like I said, you still have four games to like at least try and get ahead of get to kind of secure sixth is really your kind of ideal target now, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, I'm just um, hoping that the shipment of fucking Whiskey I sent to Liverpool Football Club arrives before our game. Because <laughs> <laughs> you, you know they're breaking it open, right? They, they, are, they, get, I, this I, shit. they get to break that shit open. 
I'm sure they are, but uh, you know, I, I think more Klopp is more of a lager man, so I think he might just like just turn his nose to his. I, you know? I can die. I'm reckoning right now he will drink fucking anything he put in front of him. Considering the dancing he does, yes, absolutely. I think he does drink anything in front of him. Yeah, um, but um, no, we're definitely oh, man. We just sort of put this to bed. You can't yeah. be, you can't be profligate. The, only you can say a lot about the refereeing, and the refereeing has been terrible. And in fact, actually, match day thirty-four. One thing we can say about this whole day of matches, yes, or a couple of days of matches, was that the re- like Wenger is, is a huge quote that always gets touted out with Wenger. Is that he said, "Look at the World Cup. How many Premier League referees do you see there?" Mm. So, yeah. And the reason for that is they're crap, and they're also. Not only are they crap, but they're not getting better. In fact, mm. at times they're getting an awful lot worse. And fuck me if Match Day Thirty Four was out to prove that. Yeah, exactly. Um, they but, were fucking uh, terrible. What I like to do is I like to chart Jose Mourinho during during like referee <laughs> situations because you can see he just wants to call Michael Oliver a rat faced cunt, and he just can't. He just can't do it because he knows he'd just be banned for like two years. You know, because they're just waiting. <laughs> Like even the even FDFA are just waiting for Josie to go. Come on, give us a sound. Give us a give us a, You know you want to. You know you want to. Come on, say it. Oh, you fucking no. And you'll get you next time, Mourinho. Yeah. <laughs> um. But yeah. Um. So yeah, we have a, some other business in these uh, match day. Five uh, nil thrashing of Newcastle with Man City. That's just fucking harsh, right? That is just <laughs> not fair. It's Newcastle lads. Just fucking one nil, and they're happy with that. No need for this fucking thrashing nonsense. Okay, we get it. You're bitter about Southampton. You're bitter about us winning the league. You're bitter about getting sucked out of the fucking Champions League. Whatever, right? Don't let. Don't take it out on Steve Bruce. Okay. Don't take it out on a bunch of harmless Geordies who just have a good time. Just want to have fun. They just want. They just want what you want. They just want to get bought out by a sovereign oil fund, (laughs) and. You know, cheat the way you to guys the should be league. friends. That's you should be right. friends. You're, you're basically bum chums now. <laughs> opposite, <sighs> opposite cheek bum chums now. Yes, very, let's be clear. Yes, yes. Very much so. um, both arseholes, though, at the end of the day. <laughs> um, so, uh, big deal this match was, though. Sheffield won Wolves nil. Uh, turn up for the fucking books. Yes, I would have lost. This is the thing game. because, um, this is very important for the table because that wedges Sheffield right into the battle with Wolves and Arsenal for sixth. And the, again, very, very important because uh, Tottenham and Burnley are kind of drifting in there as well. But now Sheffield are kind of like, after having that dip at the start of the of the restart, if you can call it that, now they're back in the scrap. They're in there now. And again, you could argue like Sheffield are in a, are in a good place to, to challenge for it. Like, um, because again, depending on how the FA Cup goes and all that stuff, uh, Arsenal could win the FA Cup and then that surrenders like eighth place to uh, the, the to the Europa League. But again, it all depends on how it shakes down. And if Sheffield can beat Wolves like they just done, fuck that sixth place could be theirs. They could be in Europe. Like, and I I'm genuinely excited. I want to see it. I want to see it happen. You want to see overlapping centre backs? I Europe? fucking absolutely do. I want to you see David McGoldrick. Do you want to see us all fucking die? <laughs> <laughs> I want to see David McGoldrick wrapping up the fucking Dundalk saying, here lads, look what I have learned. And we will fucking bask in him like fucking Moses and the Ten Commandments. <laughs> Thou shalt not overlap. Thou shalt not square pass. It's like, yeah. oh, brilliant. Um, um, yeah, no, it's just, yeah, this is the turn up. 
like yeah. just like you said, I would not have um, Sheffield pretty much took. I would like to say took a leaf out of our book in that they realised that by shutting down Traore to some degree mm. or by cutting off his, they did it not by shutting him down. They cut they out his walk, lanes. Yeah, they cut out his lanes. So, somewhat when Taney was wrecked mm. in our game, we brought on Maitland Niles, whereas Taney just basically. They two of them did the exact same thing. They just kind of marked Traore out of the game to cut the lanes off, mm. um, allowing him to run around crying into his muscles. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Wonderful t- imagination there. No, no, look, I refuse to believe, right? I've read interviews with that man. He says he doesn't lift weights. That is bullshit. Complete <laughs> bullshit. He says he doesn't lift weights. Fucking size of the prick. Anyway. Just protein bars, man. That's all it is. Protein bars what? and Jesus. <laughs> what weight are these protein bars and how many does he get? <laughs> They're kind of dumbbell shaped, actually, now that you mention it. <laughs> it's very, yeah. very irony. Uh, yeah, uh, high, in, high in fiber, apparently. <laughs> but, um, but yeah. E- Egan scored on John Egan. Yes. Minute. Two and it. two, lads. Two and two. He's fucking yeah, got it. I, I will admit, this is one of those games which um, epitomizes the phrase, you love to see it. You do love to see it. And it also epitomizes the phrase, you put them under pressure, because that's what they're doing. Yeah, well, the thing is that Wolves, when they've got a lot of sterile possession, or just sterile play, even, they don't mm. even need to have the ball, they kind of tend to lose, not lose their head, and that they get aggressive and start like, throwing They kind of lose, lose concentration. Yeah, perhaps. exactly. They just kind of switch off. Like, it's, mm. it's sort of like a computer on... Like, you know, if you leave it alone for a bit, it'll go on standby and switch itself off. <laughs> That's how wolves are. If you, if you can kind of dampen them down for 20, 25 minutes so that all the fucking adrenaline going through their juiced up fucking players wears off, yeah. they'll actually kind of just power you down. Blue, you, can, you can blue haven them, is what you're trying to say. <laughs> Drag them into a shit game and they'll lose. Fuck, that's good. Um, we should try that. Yeah. A big, big shout out, by the way, to Chris Wilder after the match. Um, oh, did you see that? I decided to slag off Egan a wee bit. Uh, <laughs> loved it. Because he, he, he I think he reckoned at the start of the season that Egan should have scored 10 goals. Mm. And that's Egan's second. He's like, oh, he still owes me eight. Like, <laughs> love it. Like, no, give, me my... fucking, give me a fucking pie chart in just of it. With, you love to see. <laughs> <laughs> no, my, my favorite thing about it was that when he uh, when Egan scored the winner, uh, fucking Chris Wilder ran down the touchline. He said in the interview afterwards, "It's like, did you, you seem to enjoy that call from John Egan?" No, I didn't. I pulled me fucking calf. Which <laughs> 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 is just wonderful. I love it. That'll, um, that'll be in, that'll be in the injured manager's celebration hall of fame alongside Pelo De Canio's suit. Yes, exactly. And uh, fucking, what's that big fat guy? Steve Evans from Rotherham United. Like, they get they, they win their fucking League One player final. He just rushes down the timeline and tumbles because he's fucking 30 stone. And you can see, like, the suit, the, the fucking trousers just burst. Just, like, just <laughs> born free. <laughs> it's like fucking chest bursted down there. It's crazy. Um, so, yes, definitely that. Definitely that. Um, another game that happened was uh, West Ham nil, Burnley won. And then moving on then to my game. It definitely, happened. it definitely happened. That's all we can say. And that is all we're going to say on it. Um, uh, the game I was going to talk about then was uh, Liverpool 3, Brighton 1. I kind of made the point I was going to make in the, with the Villa commentary, which was mostly Nabi Keita, um, because he 
he ruled this game practically for Liverpool. Now, granted, uh, props to Brighton because they really had fun out there. In fact, if actually both teams had fun out there because we played Neko Williams uh, on the left, which is uh, surprising considering. Well, Robbo needed the break, obviously, but um, that to, to kind of start Williams kind of shows how much we do rate him internally. Um, and he is kind of cut from the same cloth as Trent. I don't think he's as naturally talented, but my God, he fucking puts himself around. like. Uh, and as we've kind of seen from like top teams of the past, he does love players like that who just gets fucking stuck in. Like He always loves a, a, like a Blaszczykowski or a Grosskoit or a Milner that just like just get in and start fucking taking names. Well, and that's what Neko's good with. One of the things that like you kind of... You don't, Jesus. You don't need to play for them to figure it out. Is that mm. um, Klopp rewards hard work, and that if yeah. you, if you're willing to put a shift in, you know, you're going to get your game time. Exactly. He rewards right. you for what you're doing to him. For him. Exactly. You know, like the, I think it's similar to what Arteta has implemented at Arsenal in that he's created that link between effort and reward. Yeah. Whereas yeah. you can tell with teams, you can tell, but you can actually you can tell prior to Arteta, in Emery's Arsenal, that there was no link between effort and reward. You know? Mm. Um, yeah, exactly. Emery was just picking the team he thought was best. Yeah, and then nothing disheartens players faster than that. Yeah, know? exactly. Um, especially because we, we made the choice to, uh, to go with Ox and uh, Keita in midfield. Well, actually, tell a lie, Keita was actually technically on the left, uh, left flank, uh, kind of playing the Mane role, if you like. And again, he's actually he's not bad at it now. I don't think it's natural position. But again, the midfield is so fluid as it is. Like Oxley was kind of they, was there in centre midfield, then on the left, and Katie was swapping. So they were constantly interchanging throughout the game, and that's kind of how the first goal came about because Brighton were playing from the back, um, which against a team that like you know does the pressure we do is a fucking terrible idea. And it got proven right because Proper just got pickpocketed by Keita, who was kind of coming back from left flank into central midfield and just so happened to be in the right spot to cut the lane and uh, send the ball out. Again, this is why I want to bring up Keita again because the pass he made, right, when you watch it in real time, you're thinking, oh, he just gave it to Firmino because he's in, Firmino's in the, on the penalty spot. He'll just give it to him. And presumably he'll either get a good shot in or he'll score. But no, yeah, you're, you're, for, you're centre forwards on the penalty spot. Guess what? You pass it to the motherfucker. No. Here's the thing. What he did was he passed it to Salah, who was running onto it, right? So, again, the, 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 the cleverness was that the keeper would have been expecting a Firmino shot. But because he passed to Salah, who was running in on it, no chance to react. It was Salah's goal all the way. And it's just that it's that type of vision that we have been lacking midfield-wise. And, like, Again, Liverpool Twitter are going like, well, we need to sign a number 10. We need to sign Havertz. We need to sign fucking Werner. We need to sign somebody. If you look at it, just fucking sign somebody. Announce Thiago, for fuck's sake. And everyone's going like, lad, we have the tools here. Like, you just haven't seen Keita at full power. Even, like, Leipzig fans are going like, you, you haven't seen what Keita's capable of. And, like, I think, like, if we're... I'm hoping I'm right with the next couple of games we do see more of it. Like, it's just the same of it, even. Um, it'd be great. Because, like, if that is the case, then that does, like, cover a lot of our issues with midfield. Um, where we do need to try and lockpick teams. Where we do need to try and break down teams that park the bus. If Keita can do that, brilliant. Because then that solves a whole lot of problems for us in the long run. Um, 
because then we can just call on them or just play them whenever we need to. You know, we can customize our midfield to what we who we need, which is I think was what Klopp's like vision is anyway. Like he likes to keep his defense and and like four three uh, solid and leave them be. But the midfield is where he dictates the the game. So if he wants to go steely, he'll play Henderson, Fabinho, and perhaps Groyich, who's very very good in that role. If he wants to go creativity, Keita, Shakiri, Oxley, Chamberlain. You know, he, he it's like kind of like the the, the blending of it, if that makes sense. Is Shakiri and Oxley, Chamberlain would they be would they be considered your creative players? No, but uh, creative is in like going forward, as in like just taking the ball and driving forward. I wouldn't say they're like they're not like a Coutinho. Like that's the point. Like the, the creativity comes from industry, and that's always been the case for for Liverpool midfield. And um, like a most creative player you could directly was perhaps Lallana, but that's because he's a he's a tricky player. He's flair. He's stylish, and he's gone. You know, he's gone precisely. Now that's now that's not the, that's not that's harsh on him in a sense because like he like. Klopp adores Lalana, but the reason he let him go is because he wants him to play. He wants him to have a living. Like he, he doesn't want him to sit on the bench all the time. So you can kind of you can try to appreciate that sense out of him. And again, in the future, we're going to have the likes of a Curtis Jones who popped up in the Villa game and scored a goal. We don't know what his kind of like structure is going to be. He could be any type of those midfielders. He looks like a very good all rounder, and um, they're learning from the best in in that sense in, in midfield because they're just getting the they're just getting that they're mixing that natural talent they would have with what you are required to do in a midfield and that's just going to keep carrying on for all other players that could come in and um, so like I, I'm not someone who's worried about new signings like consolidate who you have central midfield is not what we should be worried about left back is what we should worry about and cover for Mane that's those are the two things you want to get forget about midfield that's not your issue get those two signed and then we'll talk business, you know. And at the, Bright- at the Brighton game just illustrated that for me because we weren't really we Brighton gave us a really really fun game and a really entertaining game. We still were like well ahead for it, but it's because we had like a Kata in there to just go gone done go sorted. And again, he prevented like the I think it was was it Dan Byrne who had a shot on goal, or was it no it was Trossard actually before he scored, and. Uh, he got snuffed out by Keita, who like just beforehand had a shot on goal. So Keita had just tracked back all the way down, marked the guy out of it before he proceeded a corner. No, he, he is coming good. And the more you see of him, the more you go, yeah, we've, we've got someone here with him. He just needs to keep fit for the love of God. <laughs> no fucking hip injuries, no foot injuries, just fucking stay fit. Yeah. Not that hard. Um, moving on then to the uh, Ronald Coleman derby between Everton and Southampton. <laughs> which ended one all. Um, on the surface, a pretty plain game, and that's very much the case. Although, one thing I will say about this game was perhaps the assist of the season from Lucas Dinier. Have you seen this? I haven't. I've heard. Oh, my good Jesus. Well, because it was like an Everton-Southampton one-all turgid piece of dreck, I'm like, yeah, I've got other things to be doing. Then this is the one piece of quality from this game. Uh, <laughs> because... Digne is on the touchline at the halfway mark, at the halfway line, right? And Richarlison's making the run. And I think this is what... Actually, he's doing a bit of long ball, which is very... It's not like him, in a way. He does a bit of Napoli because he's got the runners. And I think that's what he's doing here. Like, he loves, like, pinging the ball to Insigne um, and or later on Lozano because they're great runners on the ball. And he's kind of done the same thing with Calvert-Lewin and Richarlison. 
Richarlis is a good runner and then might knock and Calvert-Lewin might knock it down for him or they might chop and change. But Digne, right, plays a complete outswing ball to Richarlison, right? And Richard and the, the ball lands perfectly like two feet before in front of Richarlison. So it bounces into Richarlison's path and he just hits it first time. It's one of the best goals I've ever seen Everton do. Twitter open here. Hang on. Have a gander there and see what you think. Because the cross is just exemplary. It's gone out to me way out on the left. Oh, get fucked. Yeah. Right? That's some fucking first touch from Charleston, though, by the way. This is he it, like this. fucking plucks that. Hang on, let's play it again. <laughs> oh, he just kills it dead right in front of him and then lobs. Nice. I fucking love that. Wasn't that actual skill from an Everton team? I, yeah, I love it. Really? I, lo- I love seeing it. Um, that's brilliant. Um, no, no, yeah, the Jesus Christ, that's some assist. Mm. Um, yeah, but then, it, then again, like, Jesus Christ, the gap in between the centre-backs after Chelsea. I know, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> looking at it going like, lads, come on. What? Cash yourselves on. Fuck. <laughs> 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 um, moving on then um, to uh, Burkbot's last game of the rundown which is the uh, nil-all draw between Bournemouth and Spurs so uh, Burkbot um, I should have to ask but what did you think of this game? Sports are so shit Okay thanks for that um, you know that's top match analysis that's there. Oh, that's oh. my review Yeah <laughs> no I, I, I got that I got that thanks Burkbot I'll talk about it for like a couple of seconds Alright come on It is one of the worst I have ever seen in terms of passing and running and overall stamina. The most exciting part of the game was when Bournemouth had a goal disallowed for an accidental half ball. It was unfortunate on their point, but they didn't really deserve a goal and needed its buds. Uh, so nil all was just the ideal. The commentators tried to make this exa- game sound exciting, like they were almost jizzing themselves when Kane got the ball at any point, even if it was in his own box defending, with a you know topo clearance. Uh, they were shouting, "Oh, it's Kane!" and it's shit. Uh, the passing was so bad that it felt like I felt as someone who's played football for a total of three hours. I could walk on to either team in midfield. Um, the advertising boards got more touches than some of the strikers, which is just, it was just kind of indicative of how bad this game was. I will say on a serious note, Adam Smith was stretchered off after a 12 minute delay with a nasty head injury. Uh, so I wish him well, but I wish Spuds nothing but misery because that's all they deserve. Cause they're <laughs> shit. I don't know. I don't think she mentioned that at any point. Um, but yeah, uh, kind of story of the fucking lockdown for Spurs. They're just the, it just a loathsome team to watch and a loathsome team to play against. And also, she's actually not entirely too wrong because they had seven attacking players on the pitch, right? So they'd Bergwin, mm. they'd yeah, they Bergwin. They started off with Bergwin, Kane, Lamella, Lo Celso, Winks, Sissoko. Well, Winks and Sissoko, right? That's the front six. Mm. They then subbed on Fernandez and Dembele, Mora and Son. And I'm like, you know, so they wound up with like seven attackers on the pitch and did not muster a shot on target. The it's entire bizarre. Game. It's so fucking bizarre. 104 minutes of football 
and it looked like the, if they played for another 104 minutes, they wouldn't have gotten a shot on target. Unbelievably, there were 20 corners in this game. So she's actually not entirely wrong that the advertising hoardings got a lot more fucking touches than some of the on-field players. That, yeah. That might, I'm like, it's a flippant line. That could actually be true. Yeah, we'll get Squawker on that and see if it's the case. <laughs> well, who, who got more touches? Yeah. yeah. Who got more touches, Kane or the Vitality Stadium? Yeah. Um, fucking hell, man. It's, it, it was grim. It was literally... And I understand that coming from an Arsenal fan, any criticism of Spurs is going to have to be taken with a flatbed of salt. Yes. Um, but this, I, I genuinely can't remember a worse match. Mm. Not, not in like recent times. Like, like, wor- like bad for just pure, just awfulness. You know? Yeah, exactly. Especially with the fucking horrible injury that Adam Smith got. Um, I, 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 oh, horrible, I was, yeah, that was absolutely terrible, yeah. Yeah. Um, no, 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 absolutely. Like, uh, again, I fully agree with her. Like, I, I do, like, I hope he's okay. Yeah. Um, but, fuck me, like, this was a terrible game. Like, at, at, there were times where I reckon a couple of those players on the pitch were, like, thinking back to a severe head injury and going, lucky bastard. Yeah, unfortunately. <laughs> But this this thing this the thing though. Flipping the battle like, again. I, I know. Really yeah, hope, yeah. I really hope he's good. I'm just using it as a joke. But fuck me, like there three games on the trot now where Spurs have just been fucking terrible, and I mean mm-hmm. absolutely terrible. And I have been watching a lot of Spurs games now because I I, I don't know how much you want to discuss it, but we're coming yeah, let's, let's get into it. Let's get into it. We're coming in for North London derby. Yes. Um. So usually in the run-ups to our derbies, I you know I kind of nut up on some Spurs. It's never any good, and geez, but Jesus Christ, I can't remember my revision periods being this fucking terrible in the past. <laughs> no attacking penetration whatsoever. One of the things I've noticed there is that remember, was it last season or the season before that where Kane was carrying an injury? Yes, for ages, but he still kept on playing on. Actually, no, it was the time he's won the Champions League. That's right, it was, yeah. Yeah. It was the season he's won the Champions League and he played in that and you were like, why are you on the pitch? You are awful. You are so not fit for this. Mm. And then you realise that like, he's not, not fit. He's just injured. Can't yeah. play. Can't play. I, I think that might be the same thing that's happening now. Cause he's, I 100% agree. The man looks like ball. he's not healing. And the reason I say that's because we had the same issue with Jordan Henderson. Henderson had a fucking bone spur in his heel. Isn't he? For he's out now, isn't he? Months. He might actually miss. They're, they're worried he might. Sorry, you are worried that he might miss the start of next season. He's going he's gonna to be out for a bit, isn't he? I, we, he had a scan today and he won't miss the next next season. He's grand. Oh, will he? oh, Good. He's just missing. He will, won't be used for the rest of the season and then he's back for preseason. It's well, in all fairness, if any, one of your player, if any one of your players has earned a bit of a rest. Fuck me, yeah. In fairness, God bless him. Uh, but like, well, again, it's, it's a cautionary tale because um, throughout the the tail end of the of the Rogers years and the start of the Klopp years, Henderson had this uh, niggling injury that wouldn't go away, and he was losing game. He was being dropped because of it, and he was uh, being redeployed then as a as a number six in the Klopp um, system because he couldn't run that well. Um, and I do recall, I think he went uh, through like a massive rehab program throughout the, during the season, and he was like missing like a few training sessions here and there just so that the foot can heal. Like it was just a matter of just letting it rest. Um, and then all the same, once he started, like once the fitness came back to him and, he, and the foot was healing, 
he went to Klopp and said, here, lad, I'm fucking done playing number six. You've got Fabinho for this now. Get me running again. And Klopp yeah. goes, I like your moxie, kid. And fucking back up and I running. I will not eat you. Kane is the same problem. <laughs> Kane is the exact same problem because it's ankle. There's clearly some sort of either ligament or tendon issue there that is not going away. Because it's the same injury that happens that you, every single yeah, time. You, do you reckon it's the same ankle? I absolutely do. 100%. I do as I think, well, yeah. I, I think well. what's happening there is that there is an injury that is not healing and they're either between Spurs or Kane himself or the medics, they're refusing to, to confront it and deal with it. Because, uh, again, actually, do you know what? Another great example of this is Wayne Rooney. Wayne Rooney was carrying an injury for a long, long time. Just didn't stop playing. And you saw over, over a space of a year his whole pace and the actual intensity of his game starting to wean because he wasn't able to fucking drive. And then he got to move to Everton, wasn't used as regularly, and he just was allowed to heal. Like, he just needed a year off, practically, and he would have been back into it. Um, Now, granted, like, mitigating circumstances aside, moving to DMLS to do uh, Derby County to basically take over the fucking club... um, you know, he's not the same performance. But the re- reality is, that's why, this is what happens when you don't allow yourself to heal. You know, it's, it's just that, that, that important. And what I will say, what, what Spurs fans should be really worried about here, is that your team have had three months off. There have been tons of, te- of players in different teams that have been allowed to heal up. The likes of Arsenal players with like Tierney and Bellerin. Like even Bellerin's coming off an ACL, and it's even still he's taking time to to, record, to come back to full speed. And um, for us, it's Kate. Um, for Spurs, it's Kane. And the issue here is that Kane has had that time off, and he's still very, very leggy. If anything, he looks worse. He does look worse, and I think it's because like, like if you do have an a, a, an injury, a concern, like again. Let's look at Dindombele, who says he's, 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 not, he's worried about his hamstring. That affects how you train and how you play, because you can't train hard, you can't play hard, you can't do all the running around you want to do. And especially if the team is, is designed, you're the focal point. If you are not able to get around, the whole team suffers as a result. And again, he's your, and again Spurs are hamstrung here because he's the captain, they're obliged to play him. So... It's a whole confluence of problems Not only are they obliged to play him, they're obliged to pass every single ball to him. Exactly. We've said this before in the past, that when when Kane is actually out-out of the team, Spurs play an awful lot better because then they hit from a kind of multitude of angles. Yes. Delhi. Now, they won't have Delhi Alley and they won't have Dyer, unfortunately, um, for the derby. Mm. Um, But, like, they're so fucking... Like, they're so one-sided and they're really poor... Also, in this game as well, in the bonus game, what the fuck are the defenders doing? Like, I mean, one of the things I always wondered about was why they played Dyer and Sanchez together. And then I realised mm. why. It's because they've got pace. Well, some... They're fast. Yeah, they, they track back well. Yeah. They've got mobility. Mm-hmm. They're, they're mobile. Uh, <laughs> Vertonghen and all the world aren't. They're, no. Well, they're no longer... Um, so when they're being attacked, when you're getting at them, they just stand still. Mm. It's like, holy shit. And Bournemouth were just constantly just pinging passes in behind them, constantly trying to get people to latch onto them. And I was sitting there going, we have a somewhat better front strike force than Bournemouth do. <laughs> yes. 
Uh, and so with, I, I don't, as well, crucially. Exactly. And I don't think it's egregious of me to say that we've better attackers than Bournemouth do. Um, and I was just like, oh my God. I was watching this game saying, please play like this against us. Please. Yeah. Aubameyang will literally piss himself laughing. Yeah. Um, uh, I guarantee if they play like this again, we are going to mop up. It's going to be one of those one-sided derbies in history. Now, mm. it's not because the North London derby, form goes out the window. It always does. Exactly. Um, but Jesus Christ, I, don't, I really don't see how they could play any worse. Um, what I was mentioning there as well, but Aurier being their main source of creativity because he's to play so far forward. So Suzoko has to pretty much cover like almost an entire quarter to pitch on his own. Like, what, what are you doing? Like, yeah. Um, it's, it's so bad. We mentioned in Ambelli, he put in a bit of a shift. Uh, he, he worked hard. But mm. at times it was just him and Lamella. Just yeah. Trying exactly. to show something, and you know their bar is not that high. I mean, Bergwijn was Bergwijn was terrible, absolutely fucking terrible. Um, and Son, I don't think Son's really arrived since he got back. If you mm-hmm. if you know what that means, you know. Yeah, yeah. Um, I just don't. Wow, there's just no goals in this team whatsoever. Isn't it incredible how it's all seemed to have like dried up because and again like we've said this about Mourinho like unless he does have the players there and he's able to buy in players that he wants like this this, this is the kind of the, tra- the transition year to well, like, to making a, a Spurs team more serious but you can't see a transition there because all those players are getting old very very quickly and let's face it Spurs are not a big spending club they spend big this season to like give ammunition for years coming forward, like Los Celso and Sessignon and uh, and that. But even then, like the, again, the major issue is goals. They've signed white players, Mora, Bergwijn, Son, and they're all to feed to Kane. Like it, it's the obsession, it's the fetish that they have for Harry Kane that's going to be the downfall because ultimately, like you don't know for sure if he's like if he's able to keep up with this shit for another couple of years. This is my point. I was actually talking to my Spurs friend and I, I said, I, I pretty much repeated there, I was like, I think he looks miles off full fitness. He looks like a player who hasn't played pro football in fucking six months. He looks like fucking Ricky Lambert, Neil. Let's be honest. <laughs> let's Ricky, be fucking honest. Ricky tried. Ricky tried his fucking hardest. And I love him. And I love Ricky Lambert. But let's but, face facts here. Yeah, his bar was not high. But okay. let me say, he reached that bar every single time. Yes. It just was not high off the ground. Um, whereas, Jesus Christ. <laughs> my Spurs friend actually turned around and went, he thinks that Kane looks disinterested. So that's quite, I mean, no, he, he watched Spurs, he's all watched every Spurs game, so I'm more inclined to take his word over mine, an Arsenal fan, of course. Mm. Uh, salt, salt, salt. But uh, when I said, I was like, he just doesn't look fit. And he said, no, no, no. Like, he watched the West Ham game. He says, oh, Kane had a bit of a turn. He did some turn of speed, a bit of reaction there. So he says, he doesn't think he's not fit. He just thinks he just doesn't want to be there. Is that because of Mourinho or because he's been there too long at Spurs? That's the question. A, little from column A, column B. Like, but where, and where would he go? Like, that's the thing. Like, like United don't want him now. They've got their strikers. They're sorted. Unfortunately, like, Kane will find buyers. Well, mm. Unfortunately. He he's going to find a buyer. They they will they will be able to flog him off. They won't be able to flog him off for bail money, and they certainly won't be able to get as much money as they could have maybe two years ago. Yes. Um. 
oh, certainly not as much as what they would get from two years ago. But they will be able to find a buyer for him. I, I, I have no doubt of that. As mm-hmm. to where he would go and whether or not it would be good or whether or not it would work out for him or the team he went to, that's obviously a big what if and it's all this kind of hypothetical future. But I definitely yeah. think they'd be able to sell him. You know, I mean, at, at times, like he's being fielded as a fucking DM. I said it before, like we were it's talking ridiculous. before the, the podcast, like he was so far back, he was practically a defensive midfielder. And yeah. that's like, that. I put that, that down to Mourinho, really. Just yeah. so negative. And like that does affect the team, especially because like, Every every match day, every match interview is like, oh, the team were just in a like they weren't in it. They 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 couldn't get in, out of the the mood or they were in. It's like you do realize you're the head coach. Your job is to get them out of it. Like you can't just like like again. It, it's a kind of like, it's like training a puppy kind of situation. Like you know, like in a way, it's your fault because they pissed on the rug. You know, the kind of way you can you can control that. You can fix that if you're good at it. If you're underqualified for it, then that's your fucking problem, you know. And like, quite frankly, in my, again, I've, I've I've been very vocal about my dislike for Jose Mourinho. I think he's the most overrated <laughs> manager in human history. But look at what he's doing at, at, at Spurs. Look how he's turning a Pochettino team that, like, let's face it, overperformed for years, but they were played a very nice brand of football, and they had just reached the apex. They had just reached the curve where they were starting to decline. And not only has Mourinho not stopped the decline, he's actually accelerated it. Yeah. And we can't cut ourselves there. No, no, no. Everything good about them has evaporated and everything bad has been magnified. Absolutely. Like, he's had wins against West Ham and Spurs. But if you break down and analyse those matches, like, the Everton Everton win was an own goal from Michael Keane. And the win against, like, Spurs was because, against West Ham was because it was against West fucking Ham. Like, qualify those results and you will see that the performance is gone the players are gone and quite frankly the manager is gone like the manager is nowhere near as 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 uh, as a pariah as he used to be back then he is not the fucking like the the answer to everyone's coaching worries look at Guardiola, look at Klopp, look at all these like oh, fuck i'll throw our even play like managers now like like chris wilder these are all positive fucking coaches that are coming through and they play nice football. That's the answer. Liverpool have just won the Champions League and the Premier League through functional but nice football. Man City won the Premier League through nice football. Barca, they all do it. Like everyone plays like positive, sensible football. Jose, like the, the, the time for Jose to be a dick and be a shithouse with football is gone. That's got that like people have, have fixed that now, if they've solved that, which is to basically just let it fucking self-implode on it, on themselves. You know what I mean? So, for me, it's 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 a big kind of like confluence of things going wrong. You have an agent squad. You have Kane, who is either wants to go or he's not able to move, go. And you have a, a head coach in Jose Mourinho who's so bitter. I think he can't see the forest from the trees, and you can't really understand that he has been sold a pulp with this team. And let's face it, in the summer, he's not going to get who he wants to get in. He's not. He's not. Well, he has been sold. He's been wee bit sold a pulp with this team, but I think. Like when Potch left, mm. I think it, Potch left because Levi refused to give him the investment into the squad. Yes, uh, and I wouldn't even mind, but Potch was actually quite open in saying this. So he just said he walked up to Levi and went, "Look, I've taken this as far as we can go. I need investment. I mm-hmm. need significant investment. I've taken you to the Champions League final, like unbelievably. Like I, I think I was talking to my dad about this game, and he went, 
that was the 2019 Champions League finalists mm. against Bournemouth. Yeah. <laughs> Isn't it bizarre that the difference a year makes? And it's so fucking terrible. Um, funnily enough, actually, because in the same conversation with my Spurs sporting friend, he said to use like, he's seriously considering giving the derby a miss. He's like, no, man, like a single shot on target. He's like, he can take losing, he can, but he just can't, he can take farcical performances, but he just, the, the shitness, it's, they're like a crap Burnley. Yeah. You know, yeah. I, it's, it's not even just the whole, I mean, like, Jose is obviously a factor. He, he is a factor in everything he does. But the squad is spent. We've been, we've yeah. been they're exhausted. They just want to, they just want to disperse and go somewhere else. Yeah. And again, like this, this is what Spurs should have done. They should have just take, they should have just, Mourinho was a wrong appointment. We said that at the time. Like this is going to end badly. Well, now, I mean, like, I guarantee, you, like he's locked in a fucking huge payoff. Oh God, yeah, and that's why, like, it's just like, going to keep going and going and was, going. What was his payoff at his last? The payoff at what uh, Manchester United wasn't it? That was twenty million. Twelve, quid. something like that. Yeah, it was like twelve to fifteen million quid. I yeah, reckon, I think it was that. Yeah, I reckon. Like, I reckon if Spurs get rid of him early, they'll have to pay him closer to thirty. Potentially, because they spend a lot of money on him. Yeah, and I don't know why. Because, like, just, just, just break it down, lads. If you want, you if you wanted a team, a, a coach to like energize an aging team, like, try everyone else. Like, yeah. you at the time you could have tried Eddie Howe, given him a change of scenery, see how he went. Like, look at the Bundesliga. Half the fucking league are full of those positive, like, or optimistic coaches. And um, you could have tried and poached a guy from Atalanta. He would have been great fucking crack in the Premier League. Absolutely. Like, you know. It's, it's awful. Like, <clears throat> like, he should have, he definitely, I, I reckon that's what, he went in to play shit and get paid off. I, I genuinely think. Because there's no other reason why he, could, he would have taken that job. He, I mean, like, Poch left because there was no money to spend in the summer. So there's yeah. no way he was like, well, I'd wander in here and somebody will open his checkbook. No, the last guy left because that wouldn't happen. He mm. can't get a tune out of the current squad. Prior to the lockdown, he blamed injuries. Now nobody's injured. He's nowhere to hide. He can't yeah. motivate the squad. But they really need somebody who can. But could they take the financial hit? I mean, like they're paying. They're they're re, they're desperately trying to restructure all their debt that they got from mm. the stadium build. It's not looking the best. Um, uh, even conservative estimates um, are looking. They're going to be fine. They're going to be servicing that 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 debt to the tune of nearly thirty million quid a year um, yeah you know a, a huge portion of that is fucking interest mm. so that's not going away anytime soon no, no um, wow like it's holy fuck like I don't know what to do although mad. I suppose to, to, you know if you want silver linings Kane's really good at defending corners hey <laughs> okay we lost the striker and we got the centre back <laughs> Anyway, so let's finish off this match day then by talking about uh, Villa and Man United. It's a 3 0 regulation win. Greenwood, Bruno Fernandes, Pogba, blah, blah, blah. You know, really sticking it to all of the Spurs fans watching the yes. thing that Jose left absolutely slice Villa to beats. Exactly, exactly. And that's it, really. That's, that's match day 34 done. Um, so I guess it's, it's tradition at this point. We need to check in with our wars. So let's do that now. And 
as I said, three match days to talk about. A few incidents, Neil, I'm sure you will, you will remember. <laughs> uh, starting off with match day 32, and we're going to kick off with uh, Everton, who got a plus one. Because they um, VAR spotted a handball uh, in the build to uh, basically one of their goals, and they were awarded a penalty, and they scored it, thanks to Guilfie Sigurdsson. So, well done to them. Um, then we have a few goals disallowed then. Uh, in the Liverpool Man City game, uh, Riyad Mahrez's goal was disallowed by VAR, as uh, VAR spotted a handball by Foden. Uh, so that was chopped off. In the uh, Spurs game, uh, Harry Kane's goal was ruled out after uh, Mora accidentally handballed. So that was the harsh one we were talking about earlier on. Yeah. In the Sheffield game, I do kind of feel for them in that sense because that was a very, very harsh call. But again, it's the rules of the game and I believe it's getting fixed next season. Um, West Ham then have a minus one as well from the Chelsea game. This was the uh, first uh, Pavel Suchek goal that was mm-hmm. allowed because there was a big of a Bit of a goal scramble, and one of the West Ham players was ahead of the of the defender, which means the goal couldn't count, which I think is shite as well, because if the guy's on the fucking ground, he's not going to contribute, like, unless it mm. smashes off his face, like, which maybe it did. <laughs> Can't say he's um, in anybody's eye line either. No, exactly. It's a complete nonsense, but again, welcome to VAR, I suppose. Um, although, uh, very generous in Match Day 33, uh, they were giving away points in this one. Uh, Bormitt got a point which was a uh, penalty after uh, Bailly handballed the uh, handballed his arm was in the penalty box but the rest of his body was out of it so the ball hit him in the arm and because it was technically in the box it gave the penalty which I guess is like VAR being pretty precise but again it's harsh in the United if you want to call it that um, they scored from the penalty obviously Um the Burnley got a point too because uh, their, James Tarkovsky's uh, goal was VAR confirmed because uh, Ollie McBurney was uh, playing on side. And mm-hmm. that's why you don't have strikers marking because this is what happens. Um, so Burnley uh, on two points, would you believe? A late contender for VAR Wars, you think? Um, and last but not least, then match day 34. So the first one goes to there's actually two incidents to talk about from the Arsenal Leicester game. First one is the Inketia sending off. Yeah. Uh, referee reviewed a challenge on James Justin and sent him off accordingly. Uh, Leicester then get themselves a point uh, as the uh, Vardy equaliser was VAR approved because they wanted to check for a touch from Iosi Perez. Uh, obviously, they didn't think it was either sufficient or there was no touch at all. So the goal was given and uh, Leicester get the point for that one. The other incident then came from uh, the Bournemouth game uh, and the very famous uh, the Callum Wilson overhead kick that wasn't. Uh, and the reason it wasn't was because Josh King hand touched, brushed off his hand as it was going in. Uh, so the goal was disallowed. Really big one in that sense because that, that goal could keep, that could have kept Bournemouth up. Um, wasn't there two disallowed goals in that game? Uh, yes, but the, that one was offside. Oh, so right, wasn't yeah. Fair. Yeah. yeah. But uh, yeah, you are right in that. And that one is massive though, in my opinion, because like I said, that goal could have kept Bournemouth up. But now they only got one point out of that game. It's not looking good for them now, considering Watford have won as well. So, mm-hmm. you know, it's a, that's a pretty, that shows you how influential VAR can be. Uh, again, uh, we'll continue on this uh, trend then with uh, sackings. Let's check in with the P45 crew.
and some actual developments, Neil, would you believe? Uh-huh. We've had two sackings, uh, both in the championship, because that's one of the two leagues that are still happening in England. Um, first one came from the 4th of July, which was uh, the sacking of Lee Johnson, the uh, long-time Bristol, C- C- Bristol City manager. He was there for nine years, which made oh, it the longest-running longest uh, football ma- uh, manager in the championship, would you believe? Not anymore, though. Um, he lost four games in a row, pre- and post-lockdown. And his last game in charge was a 2-0 defeat at Cardiff City, which is fair enough. Uh, a couple of days later then, Pep Plotet um, lost his job as a Birmingham City manager. Uh, this was after a 3-1 loss to Swansea. And this was after a run of 10 games without a win, which was pretty bad considering Birmingham were doing okay. And then suddenly, oh shit, FFP is here. Bollocks. <laughs> so they'll, they'll have to deal with that in a couple of weeks. Um, but again, some developments, because if you remember from last week, Neil, uh, Swansea were responsible for Jonathan Woodgate's Middlesbrough um, becoming Middlesbrough. So mm-hmm. they are now a contender for the P45 crew. They've got two kills in quick succession. So again, we'll, we'll have to make a judgment call at the end of the season who the P45 crew actually is. <laughs> um, we have some contenders at least. So um, keep them coming, I guess, is mm-hmm. the best way to describe it. So I don't know. Um, it's a bit harsh, really. So yeah, that's that for now. Uh, Let's continue on with our sad attack. So, <laughs> I do have answers from Burkbot on this one, okay? So don't worry about that. Um, so the first question I have uh, is this. How many goals has Bruno Fernandes been involved in since he started playing for Manchester United? I'll go with 20. 20, okay. That's goals and assists, yeah? Uh, yes, exactly. Yeah, um, I'll go 20. Let's go with, let's see what Burkbot says. Bruno Fernandes has been really good and it's really annoying that he's so good. Um, 27 appearances, not all of them are full matches though, but I think it's something high like 11. I'm going to say 11. Well, that, that, that wasn't me by the way. Um, so, these are both wrong, but Burkbrot technically closest, the answer is 13. Um, his record is actually, I, I gave her the wrong stat there by the way, it was a combined between Sporting Lisbon and Man United, but Either way, she was the closest. And the answer was 13 out of 13 appearances. That's how good he's been. Um, it's actually really fucking impressive, to be honest. Uh, but no points given, I'm afraid. Next one. Um, Neil, have you ever heard of Alexander Sorloth? No. Good, because he's, um, he's, a, he's one of Crystal Palace's players. He's a striker, and he's currently at lo- on loan with Trabzonspor in Turkey. In 44 appearances, he scored 29 goals. Jesus Christ. The question I want to ask you is, how many goals has Crystal Palace scored in that time? <laughs> Jesus. Is it... Oh, Christ. It's probably less. It can't be less than 29. Fuck. Yeah, I think you're being cheeky. I, I, I'll go with 29. 29. Okay. Let's see what Burpa thinks. I actually saw something about this guy. I think he scored 28 and they have scored 27. Oh no, he scored 29. So maybe 29 or 28? Mm. Yeah, I'm going to say they've 
scored 28. 28. Interesting. So Neil's going for 29. Burpot's going for 28. And the correct answer is... 27. 30. Fuck. You just went the wrong way. <laughs> Funny fact, I made that stat up before the Chelsea Crystal Palace game. And at that time, Sorloth had been outscoring the Palace team. Jesus. But since he scored the two against Chelsea, it went the other way around. But um, kind of kind of disappointed myself there. But yeah, it's uh, it's pretty nice to think that one like big Norwegian lummox is outscoring a team in Turkey. It's it's bizarre. But here we are. Um, so again, the goal is so far, lads, in the sound attack. Uh, question number three. Which Premier League player has the highest aerial dual success rate in both league and European competition? Who's the best in the air, according to the stats? I think Burkwell has an answer here. Um, with the aerial duels, I think... I'm going to say Mustafi, because he's got ridiculous aerial duel stats. Um, and like I've already mentioned, probably in this podcast, he's doing quite well at the minute. So let's. I'm going to go with Mustafi. Interesting choice. Do you agree with her, though? Well, you see, you, kind of, you mentioned um, in the league and in Europe. And yes. This is what I am kind of, uh, sort of. I'm trying to think of a player. Bastard. Again, it's a Premier League player. Just to be, just to confirm. Oh, it's, it's a Premier League player, yeah. Mm. I call Van Dijk. Fuck it. Van, Van Dijk. Dijk. Well, one of you is correct. Bollocks. And the answer is with a rate, with a rate of seventy eight point three percent, is shot round Mustafi. Jesus. He is the best in the year according to the stats. Van Dijk is uh, third at the moment. I think second. Uh, oh, I can't remember now. I think it could have been... Uh, uh, shit, what's his name? No, actually, no. I think, I think Van Dijk is, is second. Apologies. I was thinking oh. of someone else. Um, yeah, no, he is second. So Mustafi is, is better. Yeah. <laughs> At the minute. So Burpa, despite being definitely here, is leading 1-0 <laughs> in the start Absolutely attack. not on a train. <laughs> train? What are you talking about? That was interference, man. So, um, Although, Neil, I think you, uh, you'll have an open goal here to equalise, considering you mentioned this already. Manchester City registered a new record sh- amount of shots without scoring against Southampton, which they lost 1-0. How many shots did he have in the game? <laughs> hang on, hang on, hang on. Let's see what Burpa thinks first. <laughs> Hold your answer, Neil. Think about okay, it. Okay, 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 okay. This match, um, they had a lot. But also, like, some of them were really, really shit. So do they count? <laughs> They probably do because the keeper had to pick up the ball at sales pace. So, 17? So, she's going with 17, Neil. Uh, are, you, are, you, are you in agreement? However, you... she kind of threw me off there by saying, if the, if the shot is shit, does it count? Mm. So, you know, like it if, did... a, if the tree falls in the woods. Yeah, uh, yeah. No, I said it was like 20 off target and 6 on target. So, 26. It's the correct answer. 26 is the answer. So uh, we go into the final round, one all. Um, and I go into it into Italy for this one. So Atalanta, real fun team to watch, lads. Uh, 
Their striker, Louis Muriel, is currently the most prolific striker in Europe. He has played 335 minutes of football in 2020. How many goals has he scored? 11. 11. Interesting. Let's see what Burpot thinks. Atlanta's guy, um, I still don't understand how he can score goals from under the water, but um, that's just impressive as it is. But I am going to say eight. She says eight, and I, I feel for her here because she is closest. The answer was seven. He's, he's averaged a goal every 47.5 minutes. Fucking hell. Which is pretty insane when you think of it. Yeah. Um, and so, under the water as well. Exactly. Well, that should count for extra, shouldn't it? Like, <laughs> when you think about it. Um, but yeah, it's pretty crazy. So, uh, well done. Despite Burp on not being here, she still managed to hold you to a one-all draw. It was just like the fucking Leicester game all over again. Bitch. Um, yeah, I know. Terrible. I'm sure she'll be back for the next episode, unless this is like her way of like socially distancing, or else like that's just, that's not gonna fucking work, is it? Um, so moving on then to our final segment of the show, and that is the hand of fucking cards. This fella in that though is a cop. I don't care what he's going. I thought he, yeah. he was fucking dreadful. Lord Liddy, he's the guy who ran away and left his wife for a young one. And... Ooh. I think I, I think me and Neil are on a are on a similar vibe here um, this week actually because um, both of ours involve the EFL. Um, who wants to take first swing at them? That's <laughs> what I like to say. Uh, you can go first. Yeah, sure. Um, I, I think I've mentioned this before. Well, I didn't mention this before, but in the time we were um, we were talking to you, um, a lot of things have happened to a certain club, and that's who I'm talking about today, which is Wigan <laughs> Athletic. Um, so you might remember Wigan Athletic um, they had some very fun players like Gary Caldwell Ali El Habsi uh, Antonio Valencia before, before he went all Hollywood with Man United and Roberto Martinez of course and who can we forget the upset of the century when they won the FA Cup off uh, Man City but in that time uh, they got relegated to the championship um, and Dave Whelan who was their uh, owner and uh, the stadium and broke his leg in an FA Cup final, which I don't think he's mentioned before. Um, <laughs> never, never heard of. He made of he made some awfully racist comments at that when that were made public, and in that time, he sold up the club to a Hong Kong salesman and a, a Hong Kong poker player, I should say, um, who was again who had amassed quite a lot of wealth because of it. Um, and uh, his name is that is Doctor Stanley Choi. He's not a real doctor, by the way. He bought the title. Um, <laughs> Now, again, things have kind of gone quiet in that sense because uh, Dave William went away and all the bad publicity he was kind of gathering was gone then. And for the most part, like, the Dr. Troy situation didn't really emerge anywhere. He never, came, he never was at home, home matches, incidentally. He was a kind of an absentee owner. Um, and he had, like, delegates all around the shop um, in, the, in the club. 
Now, it's kind of become, it's, 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 it's coming out now in the last couple of weeks that things are not very rosy at Wigan Athletic. Um, essentially, what's happened is that uh, there's been a, a subtle, a very sneaky and very insidious change of ownership in the last month, uh, which has basically saddled Wigan with a lot of debt. Uh, the way it's worked was, as Dr. Choi was in charge of a horribly generically named like enterprise fund that I'm not going to mention here because it's just too boring to, to, to describe. But basically, it was a front. It was a, it was a facility to basically put money into and own a club. Uh, and he did his own bits as well. And what happened then, he basically sold the team onto another, um, basically, another vulture fund company, whatever you want to call it. And these lads are based in the Cayman Islands. And uh, again, they got they, they got a massive fucking cash uh, stimulus, they thought. Again, owned by Hong Kong Chinese uh, owners. And what happened then was, uh, <coughs> basically, the new company um, basically took a massive uh, loan out of the old owners in Wigan's name which means that Wigan are now in administration because they can't pay the bills. And this is like a huge loan thing. This is about £24 million, which is like more than the, the club's worth. And again, people have done deep dives in it. There's a very good like article on The Athletic about it. There's one on The Guardian. And a very good deep dive of a Wigan fan who, um, who did some great work on it. And he noticed a few things that the, potentially the new owner is fictional. Um, is what he believes because the name is actually a, a name of a chipper in a in in the local area as well, which is just very convenient. Um, but the whole insidious reason why these Hong Kong owners are um, are doing this is because potentially it's to win them a lot of money elsewhere. So my cod in this sense is actually the EFL chairman uh, Rick Perry who uh, was secretly filmed by a Wigan fan. And you know it's him because there's a picture of his feet uh, as a video. So clearly, you can identify from that who it was. Absolutely. And essentially, what he has done, uh, he, as, as EF, in, his, in his capacity as EFL chairman, he said to this, like, this, gener- this random Wigan fan, perhaps he's a fan representative, I'm not too sure. He basically said, I had heard rumors that there's a massive bet on in the Philippines that Wigan would get relegated. And in a sense, like, I don't know if he was, it was supposed to be tongue-in-cheek or it's a joke or whatever it is, but <laughs> as the chairman of the EFL, to have divulged that information to essentially a member of the public and not really be doing anything about it is so utterly fucking negligent as someone who's supposed to be the administrator of all these clubs, especially in a, in a league where, like, creepy businessmen are trying to get in on because it's the it's the gates to the promised land. If you pick if you pick up a team, you can do a Wolves inject so much money into it that they become a top six team overnight, and they just yeah, you go can sports wash. You can sports wash so much cash through the the Premier League. Absolutely, it's not even funny. Yeah, and and that's what the issue here is that. Well, the issue is even more insidious than that. In fact, that if it is true. That yes, they are using basically the betting firm that like sponsors that like sponsors the shirts of Wigan Athletic to put on a bet that they'll get relegated, but only in the Philippines, where again they can transfer the funds to somewhere else that no one will notice. That's really really bad because what they've done is they've essentially sold out their own club in order to make massive profits, 
and like it's not even that because like if the money is going from like shell company to shell company there's not there's technically no debt there but because like they essentially saddled this debt into the club they're being put into administration and that gives them a 12 point deficit then like that's 12 points that are going to go straight down to the bottom of the league where Luton Town currently is yeah. and Wigan now are constantly fighting now to try and just wait, brace themselves for this hit. It was like, it's like what happened to Birmingham last season where they just kept winning just so they can stay still practically. Yeah. And Wigan are the same, but it's, it's so much more drastic than that because this is, this is self-harm in a footballing sense because it's the owners shafting the club so they can make more money overall. And it's so fucking insidious. It's and so disgusting. the club as well because it's all owned for a front. Exactly. And not even that, but the fact that the chairman of the EFL basically is just saying this as conjecture rather than doing something about it is so fucking disgusting. Oh, absolutely. It's so apprehensive. And we've, said before on, we've said before on this how the FA is run by fucking tards. Yeah. The EFL is even worse. It's even worse because they're trying to be the FA yeah. and they're trying to be the Premier League and they're so bad at it. Um, which is why I'll pass on to you, Neil, because you want to crucify the fuckers right now. Exactly, because they want to penalise that they say they want to be the Premier League, well, they're gonna. The Premier League are deciding to penalise clubs that want to follow that, um, because <laughs> the FA have told um, the Championship clubs with hopes of going up, because there's a number of them leave, unfortunately, are one of them. Mm. Um, so they're going to charge newly promoted clubs eight million pounds each mm. next season and in the 2021-2022 season to soften the blow of the broadcast revenues getting fucked because of the pandemic. Disgusting. I, I just... <laughs> it's nothing short of a raid on upwardly mobile football league clubs. It's oh, sickening. Like it's basically to just like, if we don't get paid 48, 50 million, 48 million. Yeah, yeah. Yes. 40, 48 million over two seasons. They're just like, nah, here. You know, and I, I guarantee you they're like, oh, well, they estimate that promotion is roughly worth about £180 million to a club. Mm. And they're just thinking, oh, well, you'll just take, you know, what's, what's £8 million out of it's, that? It's a, yeah, it's, it's a, whatever it is, it's a fraction from what you would normally get. But that's not um, the issue here. It's, it's horrendous as well. But the mm. thing is that, like, all right, then, yeah, but, like, there's a high chance that next season's going to kick off without fans in the stadium. So it's not going to be, promotion isn't going to be worth 180 million because, um, like, they, they won't have any gate receipts. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know? They're not going to get the higher uh, payment back from their uh, season ticket holders. Mm. Um, also, there was another thing as well, they haven't put any number on it, but they will be, they are also punting the idea of scraping some parachute, some of the parachute payments that they give to the relegated clubs over the next two or three years as well. I think the payments that are like relegated clubs could be something like 70 million quid. Yeah, like, I think it depends. It's a case-by-case basis, I think. Yeah, so they, they'll be looking to get their fingernails and some of that as well. Mm. But there's no, there's no numbers in that. They've just basically told all the championship clubs, if you get promoted, you'll each have to pay us 8 million fucking quid. <laughs> Just fuck I mean, there's, there's, literally, there's literally nothing more I can say on that. That is just disgusting. Like, it's just 
the next two seasons, y'all have to pay eight million quid to get in. I just like how, how that's what exactly what it is. Like, like that's I would even like if I was taking the piss in the middle of the meeting and I just wanted to lighten the mood, I wouldn't even come up with something like that. No, because it would be that egregious a suggestion. <laughs> but that's it. Like it's it's like one of those and it's like one of those like like spitballing things like a during a brainstorming session and then like one of the wankers just said, "I oh, would just go with that." Then it's like, no, 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 that was that was just me spitballing. That wasn't no. You don't go with that. Like no. Yeah, that's in the no column for fuck's sake. Yeah, oh, it's bizarre. But but that's the thing. Like it's it's it all it really does is like yeah okay you can argue the Premier League are like the ones like instigating that, but it's EFL also not really defending themselves really. No. Because like they're going like oh no we think that's a great idea fantastic you're saving our league it's like really you're saving your league but you're not doing anything about the clubs that are being shafted by dodgy owners or lack of funds or parachute payments you're just happy to let them die. They, they do have prior with regards to not doing anything about dodgy owners yeah this is the problem lots like, of prior precedence yeah um it, it's really bad uh so yeah um we have two candidates there but let's see what Burpbots wanted to put in. Yeah, I think you're going to be shocked to hear that it's something that we'd be speaking about every single podcast. For my pick for Cod of the Week, uh, I have Bar. Uh, Bar with a series of shocked to hear that. in the last few days. Shocked. Um, similar attack to what Marlo Stansfield or Eddie Ketia, if you will, was said down for after a bar review of that one. Uh, but Tarkowski's looked intent, like had, he had a pick and he was stomping down, whereas Enketia's wasn't really intent, but I actually really agree it was a red card. Uh, however, there's been more incidents from VAR. Uh, that Fernandez gosh, should not have stood because he stomped on the player and not him getting tripped by the player. Uh, there was a penalty that was missed by Ward Price, should have uh, also stood. Sorry, should not have stood, uh, bar checked it and still allowed it to go ahead. And the funniest one is, the funniest bit is Harry Kane exaggerated a push in the penalty area. It was a definite push, but he, because he exaggerated it, he didn't get away with it. And even bar reviewed it and didn't give it. So it, that's brilliant as an Arsenal supporter, but actually that is from a bar point of view and definite mistake. She just had to get that jacket. Against Leicester, we had a red card. Yeah. The ref was overturned by VAR, and rightly was given a red. So that was a good decision made by VAR, which meant that VAR were watching the match. However, you know, miraculously, they didn't see Jamie Vardy karate kick on the face, which definitely was a red card event, because there was 100% intent there.
we can all get agree on that one, can't we? Like, mm-hmm, uh, absolutely. Uh, that's something we can all get behind. So yeah, it's it's down to this area of cards. Um, I mean, I, I I couldn't get over the shit housey of the EFL. I really, really couldn't. <laughs> I mean, granted, okay, yeah, it's taking the Premier League, but fucking defend yourselves, lads. Honestly, like you're the ones that are supposed to be representing. You make all this song and dance about the seventy-two clubs and like the heritage and all this nonsense. If you really did care, you wouldn't be just like just lying down and taking this shit in the same way that you wouldn't be just lying down and jokingly joking about a team going down because their owners want them to be relegated so they can win a bet. Like that's just, why are you standing by and letting that shit happen? You know, like that's, that's just pure corporate negligence on such a massive scale that it's, there's not even any comedy out of it. You're just allowing clubs to die and it's just pathetic really. And if you're FA, you're helping them, you're just, you're seeing clubs succeed as a way to just claw huge amounts of cash out of them. Precisely. You know, um, Burpo, what do you, what do you think of, uh, of this? Well, who would you rather go for? Gonna go with the EFL on this one. Pricks. Hey, well, Neil, you already won. That's great. You love to see it. You'd love <laughs> to see it. Um, out of interest, what would you, uh, what do you prefer to go, go with? I'd have gone for yours. Yeah. Yeah. I'd you would have gone for it. Yeah. Yeah. With Perry, yeah. So we all we all hit the EFL. We all hit the EFL. Fuck them. Um, I suppose they're not, not as bad as the League of Ireland. That's not saying much, is there? Um, yeah, it's not a high No, it's not. So, guys, um, thank you for listening to that. Uh, this two-part podcast, because if we went on long enough, I'm going to have to put it into two parts. Um, so um, we'll be back with the usual, uh, basically a couple of weeks. I think what I might do is we might do like a podcast before the last match day to kind of see how everyone's doing. Mm-hmm. And then uh, we kind of like we'll do our season review after that. Then, but um, hopefully we'll have Burpot back off the train she was on. Would be very very nice. If not, we'll just splice her in like last time, like I am going to do right now. <laughs> See, works every time. Um, she's she's just happy to be here. Is that right, Burpot? Oh no. Well, that's a bit harsh. Anyway, um, thanks for watching us. Anyway, uh, and we'll uh, we'll see you on the next Liquid Football podcast. Until then, now I've been Jonathan. That's been Neil. That's the work, but No, I don't agree with that at all. Fine, be that way. Uh, we'll see you next time. Take it easy. <laughs>